exciting. Little Nora Scout entered the world yesterday at 3.58, I think, in the afternoon. And so we're all excited about that around the Kramer house, around the Barton house, around, yeah. So exciting, exciting stuff. Yeah, it, very encouraging. Um, I, I think I'm going to start probably a Facebook poll to find out what my, my given grandfatherly name ought to be. I need a moniker. And uh, I'm trying, I'm, and t- so I'm taking votes, you know, as to, as to what that's going to be. Um, my, my daughter, Alyssa, who's my middle daughter, um, the opinionated one, I mean, did I say that? Um, she, uh, uh, I meant strong-willed, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, le- gift of leadership or boss or something, I don't know. But uh, anyway, so Alyssa, you know, she, she, she's uh, arguing for something very unique, you know. Um, so she's, she wanted Kenny G. Um, she wanted, uh, I'm saying maybe P. Diddy, I don't know. Uh, G. Diddy, no, G. Diddy. P. Diddy's taken, G. Diddy's not. Um, I don't know. So anyway, so we're, we're having fun with it. It's a good conversation to have anyway. So uh, we're excited. I think, I'm not sure if they're going to come home today from the hospital, maybe tomorrow. Um, but uh, exciting stuff around our house. And so, yeah, and it's also this really, this, um, you'll have to bear with me, this, just kind of this rush of, of reflection that starts to happen, you know, and like, how did I get here, you know, and, and then so you kind of retrace the steps, and, and for me right now, it, it, it's kind of this uh, juxtaposition of our, of our, isn't that a fancy word? I didn't invent it myself. It's okay. The coming together uh, in the timing of of this stage of life for me and my family, and then the connection back in uh, with the message that I'm going to be sharing today uh, on uh, how to found a home. Um, you know, and all of these kind of things. Uh, you know, I want my family back, and just to really building according to God's pattern. It, it's really uh, comes home to us um, because it's you know this is something you live, not just something you talk about. Um, this has got to be this has got to be where you live. This has got to be your you, you know how you function. It can't be just talk. It can't be just words. It can't just be you know a conversation we have, thoughts we think. This is this is where the rubber meets the road. So uh, so today I'm going to talk about some things. I think that. Uh, I've I've come to believe over the years, and um, and the scripture teaches it very clearly. But um, it's going to sound I'm afraid it's going to sound kind of like out there, like woo woo, Pastor Ken's in the twilight zone this week or whatever. I don't know, uh, but uh, but track with me, follow with me. I, I want you to understand the miraculous nature of the faith that you and I have as we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. You and I believe that a man named Jesus rose from the dead three days after he had died. Okay, you're out there. You're, can I just tell you right now, you're in a very small... Pr- I, now, I know people will, will say they are Christians, but if you really ask them, it, Christian is more of, a, of, a, of an identification. I'm more Christian than I am Muslim. I am more Christian than I am pagan. I'm more, it's, it's like morality. Are you with me? But Bible faith says... I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, declared by God uh, to be God because of the resurrection from the dead. If you don't believe in the empty tomb, if you don't believe that Jesus came back from the dead, then our conversation is kind of meaningless here. We're just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You are part of a culture that's going down. And the only way out is through this understanding 
that there is a way, a truth, and a life, and he, he has a name. His name's Jesus. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's what he said, right? So I, I just want to make sure we're all on the same playing field. Now, for those of you that, that may be newcomers and you've not heard me talk like this, or you've not heard the message quite like I'm sharing it right now, here's what I want you to know. Jesus himself said, you know, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. Don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. What he's saying is you were born wrong the first time. And in order to be born right, you've got to believe in this truth of the resurrection. That's how you get born again. And when you were born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence on the inside of you. God is not afar off. God's not distant. God's not on some planet somewhere. Can you believe they renamed Pluto as a moon? Can I just take a rabbit trail for a second? I was taught all my life that Pluto is a planet, and all of a sudden, they they they're telling young people in, in our schools that Pluto is a moon. What is the deal with that? I think it might come back the other way sooner or later. But I mean, God's not, God's not sitting on Pluto. Right? You thought, you, it wasn't like totally a rabbit trail. It was, it was real close to the track. I just wanted to bring it back. God's not afar off. The, the Bible says God, uh, of God himself, God says, I dwell in a high and lofty place, but also with him who's contrite and broken in heart. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in and sit down and eat with him. In other words, he's saying you, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, Jesus by the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you and I. Are, are you tracking with me? And, and the Bible says if it doesn't make sense to you, it's because it hasn't happened to you yet. Because God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. And, and so I'm not saying all this so that you can feel like an outsider. I'm telling you how to become an insider. I'm, I'm saying, you know, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He will not change. He cannot change. And if you will, if you will come to God in faith and say, I don't know everything, but I know this one thing. Jesus is alive and he's Lord. You're in. You're in. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence on the inside of you. And the rest of this starts to make a little bit of sense over time. Are you tracking with me? Now, the reason I want to say all that, to, that's preface for, for where we're going today in the message, because it's foundational. It's foundational to what you and I believe in. And a lot of times we don't think in terms of when we go to buy a house, you know, we're, we're, looking, at, we're looking at, hey, can the furniture stay? We're looking at, we like the color. We like the, but we don't think about the foundation. But in my life today, today for Kent Kramer, a day after my oldest had a child, I'm thinking about how did I get here, and it's because of the foundation that's been passed to me and that I chose to build on. It's not the outside. It's not what's happening, you know, in this season of life from the standpoint of you're at this age and this age and this is. It's how did we get here? We got here because we chose a certain pathway. We made sacrifices to stay on that pathway. We made choices on a daily basis to build on that pathway. And that's how we got to where we're at. And I'm going to tell you how this, the pathway begins. It starts here in this passage of Scripture for us today. John 6, 63. I want you to read this out loud. It's in your notes, but it should be up here uh, as well. John 6, 63. Let's read this out loud. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit 
and their life. I'm going to just break that down for you a minute. Jesus himself says, my words are different than anybody else's words. I don't know why, but when it, when it comes to the words of Jesus, the world will poo-poo it. The world will put it down. But if you told them that Nostradamus had a sacred book that was in a cave somewhere and there was truth to be found in his words, they would route, there would be lineups, you know, to that, oh yeah, we want that book. We want, let me tell you about an ancient book. It's called the Bible. It is, it is more attested to than any other ancient, I've got scientific facts for this. It is more attested to than any other book on the planet. There, there are more, uh, there are more uh, proofs to the, the inerrancy of scripture that you could point to and track. The Bible is without uh, any other um, uh, peer. There is no other peer book out there that can compare to the number of texts that we have, the accuracy of it, um, and there is no Bible doctrine that, uh, that could be picked apart and say, well, that doctrine doesn't count, that it's not reinforced several times over. Like you said, well, it was written by, the, by man. It was written by men who were guided by the Holy Spirit that point out to us that there's only one author, 44 scribes, but only one author, Right, and, and so, so Jesus said, though, in the midst of this, he said, my words are spirit and they're life. It's different than just words in a book. Now, the reason I want you to get a hold of this today is, is because the claims that I'm gonna make uh, for how to establish your home and how to found a home um, are, are going to be, they're gonna stretch you. And the reason they're gonna stretch you is because you can't get there with your own understanding. You can't get there with your own strength. You can't get there with your own flesh. And so Jesus begins by saying this. He says, the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. In other words, the flesh doesn't contribute anything to this process. He said, the words I've spoken to you are spirit in their life. John 1, 14, the word became flesh, read it out with me. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now this is speaking of Jesus Christ himself and uh, the apostles, uh, you know, were, were the, the first people to hear and witness this. And this is John the apostle writing this down and he's laying this out and he's saying the word, the same word that goes all the way back into Genesis 1, in the beginning was the word, right? Uh, he, he's talking about how that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then when God spoke, uh, the word came into being, brought, uh, he brought forth through his word light, he brought forth the world that we see. Again, going by faith, remember our foundation of our faith is God raised a man from the dead, so if you can believe that God raised a man from the dead, then you can believe that God created with his words, that he spoke that sun into the sky and he spoke that beautiful full moon that we had. To, he, he, he created the, the heavens and the earth. He created all this by his words, what he spoke. Are you tracking with me? Now, the reason that, that we uh, need to get a hold of this is because these are foundational issues because we use words every day. And some of our words align with what Jesus has spoken, and some of our words go contrary to what Jesus has spoken. 
And any words that we speak that are contrary to the words that Jesus spoke are going to fall to the ground. But worse than that, sometimes those words in, in the process of falling to the ground, they, they cut crossways in the relationships that we have that are very close to us. Right? So let's, let's talk about how to found a home on the right kind of words. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 24. Let's all read this together. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now, I want to talk to you today about, how, about founding your house on the words of Jesus and not on TGIF, Twitter, Google, Instagram, and Facebook. I want to talk to you about the reality that our world has a lot of words that we can take those words around, we can say, oh, what about all these words, T-G-I-F, that are, that are surrounding us, but those words uh, will not stand in the day of the storm. Those words, why? Because they belong to the surface level. They belong to what you can see with your eye, hear with your ear, touch with your hand. They belong to the sense realm. And what I'm, I'm suggesting to you, because I believe this is what the Word of God teaches for us, is that the Word of God, if you will receive it from me today in this understanding, the Word of God comes from another realm. The Word of God comes from another planet. The Word of God comes from another place. There is a difference between a voice and an echo, right? And so in the, this teaching of Jesus regarding his words, notice that, that the culmination of this happens at the very end. And it said the crowds were amazed at Jesus because he spoke as one who had what? Authority. And not as their teachers of the law. Right? The teachers of the law were the TGIF of the day. The teachers of the law were taking what somebody said and then building on what somebody else said, layer upon layer upon layer. Oral tradition that was just layered up and layered up and layered up. This is what so-and-so, oh, that's a good opinion. Oh, that's a nice perspective. Oh, that's another way of looking at it. I never thought about that before. And in our world, we can get really wrapped up in what somebody said about what somebody said about what somebody said about what somebody said. And you can chase your tail. How many of you know there's an old saying, it goes like this, if you chase two rabbits, you catch neither. You know, our, our world is, is built around, uh, you know, what somebody else's opinion is. Our world is built around, oh, you got your story, I've got my story, our stories count. That's called relativism. Right? We, we can, you know, it's all relative to whatever your story is. Let me tell you, if you boil it all back, you got to get back to the, 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 the bedrock of this thing. God is. Jesus is alive and he's Lord. What does God say? Because that's where the authority comes in. That's where the authority comes from. And so Jesus says, and he makes this statement, if you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you are building your foundation 
on a rock. What do you have to do if you're a builder to build on a solid foundation? Well, first of all, you got to figure out what kind of house you want to build. Because the size of house you build is going to determine the size of the foundation. If the house that you're going to build um, is, uh, is going to be lightweight and one story and not very big, then you're going you're gonna to pour a foundation that will, uh, that will handle the stress of that structure. But if your house is going to go up four stories, five stories, ten stories, then you better dig down deep. And you better put a foundation way down there. A number of years ago, I was in the Patronus Towers that are in Kuala Lumpur, uh, which is a couple of million square feet and two cylinders that go straight up. And uh, what you don't realize, it, at that time, it was, uh, it was like the tallest structure uh, in the world. It got beat uh, shortly thereafter, but it's amazing. If you ever watched, uh, I think it's Sean Connery and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones in uh, Bird on a Wire, I think it was. Uh, the, those were the buildings that they were in, the Patronus Towers. Amazing places. And, uh, but there were several stories of parking garage underneath that were all woven in and around the foundation, down, down. You could go five stories down in the you know, Patronus Towers and you still didn't get to the bottom of the foundation. Why? Because they had to support the structure. You had to support everything that was there. God says, if you want to build a life, don't go lightweight. If you want to build a life, don't build it on your own strength. If you want to build a life, if you want to build a home, then you got to go down deep. You got to dig down deep. You got to find something that's not surface level. You got to go beneath the surface to get down to where the foundation, where you've got some good material to build with. How many of you would want to put a lot of money into a house with a really poor foundation? Why would you bother to do that? Right? But we don't think about these things. We don't think about uh, foundational issues oftentimes until it's too late. Here's, here's the thing I want you to understand about, about this as we move forward. Marriage is designed by God to be a covenant relationship between himself, one man, and one woman. Now, I say himself because God is from another realm. He inhabits this realm, but he doesn't uh, live here entirely. God is you see, God is. He is the I am that I am. He is uh, from the other level, from the other plane. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth, the scripture says. Marriages fail because they don't take into consideration that I need to dig down and put my faith in something that's stronger than I am, that's been around longer than I have. And so when you and I come to the, to the Lord, we've got to recognize that his word has his eternal nature built into it. So that when I'm taking in the word of God, I'm taking in words that come from another realm. I'm taking in words that are not surface level. Um, why does this matter? You, you remember in, the, in where Paul talks about in Corinthians where he talks about um, how that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he talks about our works. And he says there are going to be those who have works that are wood, hay, and stubble and those that have works that are gold, silver, and precious stones. What's the difference between those two, uh, those two uh, categories of elements? Wood, hay, and stubble is all surface. You can go out and pick it up. You can go out and find it. You can grow it. You want stubble? That's just the result of a wheat field. And you can grow a new crop about every three or four months. But gold, silver, and precious stones, what happens? You got to go dig for it. You got to go mine it. You got to go pull it out of the ground. It's not easy to get to, not easy to find. But here's the beautiful thing about gold, silver, and precious stones. Heat it, and it gets better. Heat it, and it becomes worth more. 
You, gold, silver, and precious stones, you put them under temperature, you put them under a, in, a, in, a, in a crucible environment, and they just come out more valuable. Wood, hay, and stubble, heat it. It'll keep you warm for just a few minutes. And then it's over with. Then it's gone. You're going to have to have some more tomorrow. TGIF. Wood, hay, and stubble. Going to have to have some more tomorrow. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Dig for them. Dig in the Word of God. Learn how to dig in the Word of God. Marriage is designed by God to be a covenant. Now I'm going to spend a little bit on this idea of covenant. In this... Uh, uh, in this arrangement, God's promise, coupled with the unique strengths of the man and woman, are supported, and weaknesses are compensated. Um, let, me, let me just talk to you for a second uh, about this idea of covenant. Um, covenant language is always found in vows. I will till death do us part. That's covenant language. Let's just talk about that for a minute. In covenant language, we talk about marriage covenant. We talk about the completely giving ourselves over to another person. This is a pattern of what Jesus himself has done for us. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't hold anything back. When Jesus went to the cross, he bled out for us. When Jesus went to the cross, he said, it is finished. In other words, God didn't have a plan B. Well, if it doesn't work for this, if, if my son, if, if this process with my son and people believing on Jesus doesn't work, I'll send an angel. He didn't do that. He went all in. That's covenant relationship. And this is what marriage has to be built on. If marriage is not built on a covenant relationship, if it's not built with covenant language, not just one time, but day in and day out, Right? We, we make a decision to get married, we make vows, and then we work those vows out over time. Now, uh, this, this is just a, I want you to understand this is a teaching that I can, I can uh, tell you I experience and I live this out. Is there any condemnation for anybody who's had a failed marriage? Absolutely not. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. You, you just need to, I'm, I'm trying to raise up a generation that doesn't have to live with regret that I've seen in my family, uh, who, uh, who I've experienced that on both sides of my family. Remember, my siblings, uh, you know, have all experienced uh, divorce and remarriage. Can I just tell you, God's got a better way. I'm here to say God's got a better way. And so it, it starts with this issue of covenant that says, I will, and I don't put a price tag on it. I will, and I don't put any caveats on that. If we stood, if we had a husband and wife, and they're standing here, and they're giving vows, you know, honey, I will, but on Thursdays, I... I well, I'll give you, I'll give up three of my girlfriends, but, but I got this other one. Is that a good foundation? No, 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 no. Honey, I, I, I will as long as you don't touch my savings. I will as long as we get along. I will as long as you're a perfect size four. I will as long as, you tracking with me? Now, we, we, oftentimes we don't say those things, but a lot of times there's an expectation in the back of my mind. I got this little reserve uh, for my expectations. And I'm going to reserve that thinking for later. And, and, and let me tell you what happens in that moment. You've entered into, you've entered into what I'm going to call contract thinking. When you go into marriage with a contract mindset, because contract language always protects the parties who are sitting down to write the contract, right? 
They protect each party from neglect or defrauding by the other. It means I will as long as you will. I will as long as you will. And when we get to co contract thinking, we, we ignore God altogether. Because then I'm just here to look after me. And you're here to look after you. And as long as we have this contract between us, as long as you agree. Do you agree? Yeah, okay, I agree then too. But the day you stop, that's the day I stop. And it doesn't think anything. Here, covenant language says, I'm going to trust God for the things that I, I can't do on my own. Covenant language says, I'm all in and God's going to help me with that. I'm all in and I need the Lord's strength on a daily basis because, you know, this is too hard for me. It's too difficult for me. It's impossible to get uh, to covenant language unless you understand the words of Jesus and his ability to give you the strength you need to be the person God wants you to be. Because when we stop digging deep into God, when we stop growing in the Lord, when we allow our heart to get hardened to the Lord, then we find ourselves, we, we find out I've got this hard heart sooner or later, I've got this hard heart toward my spouse. So you gotta go into this relationship saying covenant, not contract. I'm not here to protect myself, I'm here to give myself. I'm here to be completely open and vulnerable. Why? Because the Lord is my reward. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is going to look after me. I'm putting my trust in him, and I'm making covenant with you. And so as we walk this out, you see, there's this foundation that's here. I, I just heard recently about a couple that I knew, and they had a conversation before they ever got married. And I didn't get to do their premarital counseling or I could have I prevented this thing. But they said, if it ever gets too hard, we agree to walk our separate ways. That's a guarantee it's going to get too hard. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're just waiting, okay, you know, what, what, which way is the wind blowing today? How bad is this storm? Why even bother? I guess it was just sanctified sex for a little while. I don't know. You can't do this unless you're saying, I don't have the strength on my own, but I know where to get the strength. And I reach down deep beneath the surface, and I take a hold of the words of Jesus that are able to make me stand at any given moment. It's covenant. It's covenant. It's covenant. It's ratified because of the blood of Jesus. If, if salvation is real, then your marriage can be real. If salvation's not real then your marriage has no hope. But God says, I have put the blood of my son on that cross and every sin and every stain and every failure that you could ever muster has been taken care of by the blood of my cross. And because of that empty tomb, my life is available for you and the Holy Spirit wants to help you uh, to walk this out. In a, in, a, uh, in a relationship where God says, I'm going to look after you to cover you. Man, you might be strong, but in there, the areas that you're weak, your wife can cover you. That's called covenant. Wife, you might have some challenges. You might have some security issues, but God gave you a man so that those things could be covered on your behalf. He couldn't be there in the flesh, but he sent someone to be there in the flesh for you. This is the way God designed this thing to work. And this is how we found a marriage. But then once we found this marriage, 
what's amazing is it can withstand anything. Look what, look what, uh, uh, what we have in our notes. Storms don't show the quality of the building, but the wisdom of the builder. The wisdom of the builder. I would, I've been reading a book recently. It just, just came out a short time ago. It's about, it's about investing, but it's really about learning more than anything. And I'm, uh, one of my, one of my uh, core themes in, in the Strengths Finder is learner. And so I just read constantly. And there's this book. It's called uh, uh, the, uh, the Joy of Compounding. Um, but it's, a, it's the whole story is kind of a, the Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger story um, that's, uh, you know, just quotes from them over the years. And it's like big, thick book. I usually don't read books that thick. I like the accomplishment of 200 pages and I'm done. If it had more pictures, I would be much better off too. And, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm slogging my way through it. But uh, one of the amazing things uh, about uh, Charlie Munger, who's a partner with uh, 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 Buffett in uh, Berkshire Hathaway, is that he, uh, they, they tracked like two trades that he did that took him from like, uh, you know, like maybe about 40 million to about 400 million with, with two decisions. You know, just boom, boom, and he's there. Like, uh, are, are you investor an investor if you only make one decision? Maybe so. Like, if it's the right one, you're there, right? I mean, you, you're, you're, you've, 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 your passive income exceeds your expenses. Um, you're, you're wealthy. Your money is now working for you, right? And, and so the, the idea of wisdom, that, that a house is built on wisdom, and the idea that it, I don't have to be this big player, I can just walk in wisdom. I don't have to be a flash in the pan. I can just live in wisdom. I can make wise choices on a daily basis, and, uh, and I'm building my house with wisdom. People may not be impressed with me, but I'll outlast them. I don't have to keep up with anybody. I'm only in competition with whoever Ken Kramer can be 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Uh, and so day by day, if I get a little better, if I get a little smarter, if I make a little bit more wise decisions, make wiser decisions, if I talk to people and find out how they did it and, and see where it anchors back to the word, stay away from TGIF and, uh, and, and find the truth of the word, then I can walk in wisdom. Homes built on his word stand the test of time, stand the time test. Homes built on his word. Can I just tell you, I was 22 when I got married. 21, actually. Holly was 22. That's right. She's the older woman. About three months. About three months. And I really have a fun time in those three months. Never let her forget that she's the older woman. And, you know, all those, you know, rob the cradle, you know, all that. You're the older woman. Oh, anyway. We have fun. And so, so... I, you know, I didn't know anything, but I, but I knew that I could learn anything because I learned to read. And I just read, and I talked to people, and I asked questions. And over time, over time, God has blessed those little pursuits to just get a little bit better, to learn a little bit more. What was the trade-off? The trade-off was probably video games and movies, 
Now, does that mean I didn't watch some uh, movies? I don't really get into video games. But can I just tell you, the, the trade-off was probably some entertainment somewhere along the line. And can I tell you, however much entertainment you got yesterday, you're going to want twice as much tomorrow. And you're going to be no better off for that entertainment. Like, there will be no discernible difference other than maybe you can talk more on TGIF. You can have greater opinions. But you'll have no more wisdom. But it stands the test of time. And, uh, and, and the, the result of that, for us here at Lighthouse, the result of that has, has been the formation of, of the vision uh, for life-giving communities. Uh, formation of the vision for Little Ice Child Care that we started in 99. Can I tell you that churches can't have child cares as large as ours and, and as shared as ours except that my marriage works? Because if you trace it all back, it comes back to Ken and Holly's marriage. And if we didn't know how to work together and encourage one another, uh, then some of the stress that happens as a result of shared space and this group leaving off here and, and this group picking up over here, that could be a problem. You'd have a tail wagging the dog. And sooner or later, you know, we'd have, you know, that's what they call an organization that grows something that, uh, that is large, very large, like what we're dealing with here with the child care. But it works because my marriage works. It stands the test of time. Homes, bu uh, homes built on his words stand the storm test. You know, a lot of people would stress out about things. I, I don't have a poker face. If I was going through a lot of stress, y'all would know it. Because I couldn't do what I do week after week, year after year, time after time, if I was under a lot of stress. Have we had storms? Absolutely, we've had storms. We've had challenges. Pastor Ken, you never talk about them. Not until there's about 10 years on the other side of it. Because by the time I'm 10 years on the other side of that storm, I've learned a few things and my perspective has changed now. If, if I talk about it in the middle of it, ah, then I end up processing it all with y'all. Y'all feel bad for me and y'all are sorry that I'm having to go through that. and Y'all want to fix it. I don't need you to help me fix it. I need Jesus to help me fix it. And so I work through, I work through, I keep going back to the Lord. And guess what? You, you build your life on the word and you'll stand the test of time, right? Lastly, homes built on his word stand the termite test. Can I tell you the worst termites that you'll ever find in your life find their entry in through yourself? I'm convinced of this. God hates yourself, but he loves you. Let me slice that down for you a minute. God hates yourself, but he loves you. God opposes the proud. Where is self-located pride? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How can you be that same person? How can you be that same person? Peter was that same person. When Jesus begins to talk about the cross and he says, not, not so, Lord. Five minutes ahead of time, Jesus is saying, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Ten minutes after that, he's saying, Jesus talks about the cross and he says, not, that's not going to happen to you, Jesus. I'm, I'm going to make sure of it. It doesn't happen to you. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of man. I could, I could probably put in the words, you have in mind the things of the flesh and not the things of God. 
termites get into my life through the, and, and this was the word of the Lord uh, earlier, through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And the only way that you deal with that is to bring those things to the cross. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Houses that are built, homes that are built on two people, when Holly gets her gut full of Ken Kramer, whew, you know what she does? She doesn't take it out on me. She goes to God. She denies herself. She takes up her cross. Maybe I'm her cross. I don't know. <laughs> she follows Jesus in our marriage. And having done that, when we come back together, the, the, the animosity is really, we can talk through whatever we need to talk through, right? Don't let the termites get you. Don't let yourself take over. Because yourself wants what self wants, but the problem is when self gets what self wants, it won't be enough. And then your marriage starts to get worn down and eroded because of that. Go to God. Go to God. Dig down deep. Dig down deep. Say, you know what? I'm feeling stressed right now, but the, the problem is not surface level. The problem is I need to go deep. Because in Jesus, every need of Ken Kramer is supplied. That woman cannot supply. But the need of Ken Kramer is found and met in Jesus Christ himself. So I dig down deep and I let him fulfill my life. And then the pressure for her to be something she was never intended to be in the first place. The pressure is gone and now we just can enjoy one another, right? Last verse. Let's stand right now. I love this verse in Jude 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make clear the words, you must be born again. Lord, everything that I have spoken about is totally impossible with mankind, but with you, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible to him who believes. Lord, I just pray for anyone here that has never made that decision to accept you, to receive you, to allow you to come into their life and to fully embrace what it is that you have come to do in their life. Lord, that today would be their day. Simple as Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Every foundation starts there. There is no other foundation that can be laid except Jesus Christ is Lord. So, Father, I pray for each and every person here that whether they whisper that prayer, whether they shout that prayer, whether they pray that prayer on the way out the door today, that they would pray that prayer. And by believing, they will have life in your name. 
Father, I pray for marriages today. I pray for homes that, uh, that have allowed contract language to flow into their conversation. Lord, whether it's uh, as long as you do this, uh, it's not going to work out. Uh, maybe they've even used the divorce word in their marriage jokingly, and then the enemy has tried to, to turn that around at another time and create doubt in their spouse. Uh, well, they said it. They, they said that word, and so maybe they really mean it. Father, I just pray that today we would repent of our contract thinking. We would repent of our protection language that we, that we have in our marriages, Lord God. And that today, Lord God, we would renew our understanding of what it means till death do us part. And Lord, that our vows really do mean something when they're founded on the word of God. You said my words are spirit and they are life. Lord, it's different, Lord God, when we build our marriages upon the rock. And Father, I just pray that every marriage in this room, Lord, would sustain the test of time, would be sustained through the storms, would withstand the termites, God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just cover every marriage in prayer right now, Lord God. There is nothing new under the sun that the enemy could ever throw at a couple. But I'm thankful, Lord God, that your word goes far beyond what the enemy can do and that our lives are established on your word, God. I pray that you bless your people today as we go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless.